This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. But anyway, this message I got today is really going to straighten up some of your thinking, going to help you in life, called How to Grow in Faith. I want you to go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Well, thank you, Mr. Ryan. I've been looking for all those notes there. That's all my personal notes. can't read this. I love my wife. I think she's hot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't have to have notes remind me of that. I just tell her anyway. But that case I forget, it's there. <laughs> Not really. I thought that was cute. <laughs> I have fun doing what I'm doing. I enjoy life. Jesus said we're supposed to enjoy life. I enjoy life. Amen. And you know, the Bible says, happy wife, happy life. Doesn't say that, but it means that. <laughs> Amen. In Mark chapter 9, uh, I'm not going to read this whole passage, but for later on, if you want to read it, it starts at verse 17. But what it comes down to this is there's a man here that had a son. He was mute. means he couldn't talk. And he had something like epilepsy. And everybody from us is well, if epilepsy, people going to convulsions, freeze up, and, you know, bad things. And uh, it was brought on, he says, by a demon spirit. And, you know, something we've got to realize as Christians, you know, some churches are afraid to talk about the devil. We don't glorify the devil, but you don't ignore the devil. And everything that happens isn't the devil. But just because everything that happens isn't the devil doesn't mean some things that happen aren't the devil, because they are. Amen. No, I'm serious. You know, you know, one thing about the body of Christ is they've been out of balance in a lot of areas. There's some, there's some, there's some, some, some Christians and Christian preachers of religions that they think that the devil doesn't exist, not a problem at all, there's no devil, you know, everything's just people or God. And then there's other Christians in churches, everything's a devil. Everything's a devil, man. Cast the devil out of rocks, cast the devil out of clothes, cast the devil out of the pastor, <laughs> you know. And well, yeah, yeah, there's people think, man, my devil's for the pastor. I got I to call him God to cast the devil. I'm a pastor. I wouldn't go to that church anymore. If I thought my pastor was for the devil, I'd find a church where I found a pastor full of Jesus. Amen. And so what I'm saying, there's extremes in the body of Christ. Some people's way over here. Some people's way over here. And it's like, it's like a ditch in the middle of the road. Has anybody ever seen a road that's been muddy? And cars drive down, the tires are on this side, cars are on this side, you got a big hump in the middle of the rut. And if you get in that rut, you get stuck and can't get out, you can't turn and go anywhere because you're stuck in the rut. And so you give it a jerk, and you go in the ditch on this side or that side. Well, that's what it is in some of these Bible doctrines. People get in a ditch on this side to the extreme, everything's the devil. They get on this side, there is no devil. But we got to go down the middle of the road. Or recognize that if you walk with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will show you if the devil's the one giving you problems. But you know what? Most of the time you get your answer if you look in the mirror. (laughs) That thing looking back at you is usually your biggest problem. In other words, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same. Today and forever, that means past tense, present tense, future tense. He never changes. Malachi chapter 3, God said, 
I'm God. I never change. And so if we got problems, then the one that's got to change, if God's not and Jesus is not, and the Word of God never changes, then guess who has to change if we're going to get answers? We have to change. And the Bible tells us how to change. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Be renewed in your mind by the Word of God, that you'll know the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. We've got to renew our minds. We've got to change our minds to think like God thinks. And so that's why we will look at today how to grow in faith. So this man here says his son, because of a demon spirit, had, had a disease like, sounds like uh, epilepsy, and he couldn't talk. He was mute. He was at his wit's end trying to get help for his child. Has anybody here ever been at your wit's end about getting help for your kid, for yourself, for your life, for any problem of life where you thought, man, I just don't know what to do. I've done all I know to do, and, and I'm just really hurt. We'll get down to verse 22. And so then Jesus talked to the man about what was going on, and the man said, oftentimes this it, the demon, hath cast him to the fire, to the waters to destroy him. But look what, look what this man said. He was so exasperated. He said, he said to Jesus, here is Jesus going around doing all that Jesus is doing. This man's watching it. This man says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So that man said, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And so I want to say to you, because I know that this is a church Sunday morning, so probably everybody here knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You probably know Jesus. You probably know Jesus is a miracle worker. You've seen him do things. He's done things in your life, and you know he is. But sometimes, even when you love Jesus, when you're in the midst of a battle, and you're getting eaten up by it, you become the place where you're not even sure if Jesus will help you through this one. This man cried out said, if you can, help us. And so today I want to teach you from the Bible how to have confidence in Jesus to get the help you need when you need it to overcome the impossible. And you know, whatever the situation is, you know, I think about, the, I know some people here are facing court things. And you hear things like, well, it's rigged. The judge is on their side. Well, they got big money. They're paying for the lawyers. I don't have big money. I don't, I, I, I don't have money for the big lawyers. Well, let me tell you something. you got the big brother. And your big brother knows what those lawyers had for breakfast. Your, your big brother knows who the judge is sleeping with. Your big brother knows it all about that court case. And if he can, no, he can. But the thing that's got to change is you and your stinking thinking. you got yourself... Get around where you believe the Bible that with God all things are possible. Amen. You know, man, big diagnosis. It may be money things. It may be child things. You know, my child's so far out there. You know, uh, they're supposed to still be at home, but here they are, 17 years old. I haven't heard from them for three months. I know the crowd they're running with. I know where they're at. I know about the, I know about the guns. I know about this. I know about that. I know about this. It says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Even down in Los Angeles, San Bernardino, Chicago, Illinois. It doesn't make any difference what all's out there. 
If your person has your eyes on Jesus, Jesus has his eye on them. And I tell you what, Jesus has lots of angels. There's angels assigned to you. There's angels assigned to your family. God can and will do the impossible if you'll let him. Somebody said, what do you mean if I'll let him? I'm crying out, I'm crying out, I'm crying out. Well, think about this. There's people all over the world don't even believe in God that are crying out. But faith touches the heart of God. Faith opens the window to heaven. Faith enables God to move. That's what we're going to look at today, not just being emotional, but being a person of faith. How many know that when you got born again, that wasn't an emotional experience? Your emotions got blessed. That's because your spirit got blessed. When your spirit got blessed, you may have cried. You may have rejoiced. Something happened during your emotions because a spiritual thing happened. And when, you're, when you and your spirit learn how to be a person of faith and release your faith, you may be emotional. You may not. Because usually, usually I found out that when faith is working, I don't feel anything. I feel nothing, no emotions at all. And my hand says, I wonder where God's at. But my heart says, you've talked to him, but he's moving. So head shut up. Amen. Do better preaching than you are shouting. Amen, amen. And so this man, this, this man cried out to God. He didn't really know what to say. He said, if you can't help me. And so then I want you to notice as we get to verse 23, Jesus then told the man, that he had a part to play in his child's healing and deliverance. He had a part involved with it. Verse 23, this man said, if you can't help me. And then Jesus said unto him, if you can believe. He said, if you can believe. All things. Everybody say, all things. Are possible to me because I believe. Amen. Amen. I, I, I want to tell, tell you. What so many Christians, where they miss it at? It's easy to say, all things are possible with God. That's not what Jesus said. We already know that. Jesus said, it's not just possible with God. It's possible to you if you believe. Amen. Get a hold of this. You know, this is what the whole New Testament is about. It takes it all off of God and puts part on you. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. God wants us to be involved with the process. He wants our hearts. He wants our free will. He wants our involvement in the plan of God. I had a word of God at the start of this service. God didn't just say, I'm healing people, a word of knowledge. God said, tell them raise their hands. Somebody could have sat there and said, I'm Baptist. We love Jesus as much as these people love Jesus, but we don't raise our hands. Well, you left here going, oh, my head hurts. And your Pentecostal cousin said, my God healed. What was the difference? Raise the hand. Amen. There's a part. God said through that word of knowledge, raise your hand and healing will flow. I see so many times in a service, when a sermon is being preached, there's something said. And then like Jesus said, this man said, if you can believe. All things are possible to him that believes. He said, but you've got to believe. And so God never tells us anything to do. They doesn't tell us how to do from the Bible. 
He always shows us what to do. And so he told this man, if you can't believe, and I want you to look at this next fill-in-the-blank thing for you. Here's what Jesus said in modern talk. It's not a matter of what Jesus can do. Because if you're a Christian, you believe that Jesus can do anything, don't you? Amen. It's not a matter of what Jesus can do. It's a matter of what you believe Jesus can and will do for you. Amen. That's what Jesus said. Paraphrase, Jesus said, hey, you know I can do anything. What do you believe I can do for you? And I want you to stop and think about that for where you are in life. Everybody here knows that Jesus loves you. Everybody here knows that Jesus is the right hand of God answering prayers for you. But then Jesus said, if you can believe. And so, if you really are facing a crisis in life right now, I want to get your faith built up today where you believe that Jesus will. And let me just throw something out there. You know, I'm a pastor and I don't know where everybody's located at. The Bible teaches about hope. And the Bible teaches about faith. Hope doesn't get prayers answered. Faith gets prayers answered. But you've got to have hope. Hebrews 11.1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so hope is like a blueprint. It shows you what can be. Faith brings the blueprint to life where it is. And so if you're just hoping and praying, you know, you talk to somebody, got a bad diagnosis, well, we're just hoping and praying. Well, we've got to get your hope turned into faith. And we instead of saying, we're just hoping and praying, say, we prayed the prayer of faith. According to James 5.14, the prayer of faith heals the sick. Amen. And so that's what I'm telling you, this about hoping and praying. Let me tell you something else about hope. Hope is always future tense. Faith is always now. Faith is always now. So if you're hoping that God will do it someday, you've got to change that around to faith where I believe that God is doing it right now, today. God's changing this today. God's working it. Well, we're just hoping. Well, we're just hoping. And I'm not putting down on anybody. You've got to have hope. If you don't have hope, you're going to give up and quit. But I'm going to show you how to change from hoping to faithing. As you get into faith then, you're going to get answers. You're going to get results. We want to see you get miracles. And, you know, I'm thinking about the kid thing because this is about the guy's child. You know, I know there's, I know that, you know, long story short, my son David in the front row there, Dick Communion, he's associate pastor. When he was three and a half years old, he was crippled and had leukemia. And so I know what it is to look at a hopeless situation. But we, we through our faith in Jesus Christ and his word, God had raised up off that deathbed. God healed his legs. God healed his blood. He's been healed all these years. So I know what it's like when you see your child out there helpless. You give anything to see your child raised up. You give anything to see your child back where they belong. Whether it's a sickness thing, whether they're addicted to some kind of a bad thing in life, or whether it's the wrong people that you know these people, they used to keep hanging out with these people, man. It's not a good ending. So, we, you know, that's what I'm looking at, that, you know, probably some of you grandmas and grandpas, some of you parents right now have some kids out there, you know, that something has to change or this is not going to be good. Yeah. Amen. And so, in that arena or anything else, just whatever it is, listen to what the Bible has to say. Because Jesus said, all things are possible to you, Grandma. 
to you, Grandpa, to you, Dad, to you, Mom, whoever you are, all things are possible to you, to you if you believe. And so, you know, I, I think about this, that if I was in an evangelistic preaching mode, right now, I'd get up here, man, I'd get my handkerchief out, start wiping the sweat off and jump. All things are possible to you but believe. Man, I'd get your emotions stirred. Hallelujah! How many believe that? All things are possible. Woo! Hey, man, you get all excited and you leave here and then you feel just as dead as you were when you came in. But if I'll stop and switch from preaching to teaching, I'll put some faith in your heart. Hey, man. And so I'm not going to preach to get your emotions stirred and get you jumping up and down and shouting and feel good about the next hour. Then all of a sudden, you're back to the road where you're looking at things. The rubber meets the road. You're saying, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> Amen. And so you understand what I'm saying. Preaching's good, but teaching will put meat on your bones to where you got something to fight the fight of faith with. And so I want you to take notes and listen good because of what it teaches the things. So verse 24 then, Jesus said, All things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Help thou my unbelief. And so this man, like some of you, had some faith, but never knew how to develop it to a greater level. He had some faith. If you're a Christian, you got some faith. But you've got to know how to grow it. And so I want to teach you how to grow in faith. And so, as I said, I'm going to teach from the Bible, not from what I think is a good idea. Not something to give you something just to have good emotional feelings to shout about and you know, maybe get some goosebumps on your on the back of your neck and your hair stand up and get some chills because of an emotional blessing. But I want to teach you some things for the Bible, how to grow in faith. Look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. And here's what Jesus said concerning this crowd of people here. It says that when he saw the multitude, he was moved to compassion on them. How many know today that when Jesus sees crowds of hurting people, he has compassion today? Now, I, want to, I want to quote Hebrews 13, 8 again. Jesus Christ is the same today as he was yesterday. Well, wouldn't you call uh, 2,000 years ago in the book of Matthew yesterday? That's past. And so today, 2018, if he hasn't changed since 2018, if he sees multitudes of hurting people, is he going to think the same way he did then? If he's still the same? Okay, it says, move the compassion on them because they were hurting so bad. Well, they were hurting. It says they were weary. But why was the compassion? Because they were scatterbrained. Scattered. A lot of Christians are scatterbrained. That means double-minded. They don't know what to do. They're not stable. Won't settle down. They were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. As sheep having no shepherd. That's all about pastor. That's all about having a pastor. Said These people were messed up in life. They were confused. They were losing. They were weak. They were weary because they didn't have a pastor. 
Now, I want you to go back to Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. And I'm helping you to do what this man cried out to Jesus about. He said, help my unbelief, or we can say it this way, he said, help my low level of faith. Help build my faith up, Jesus. You said all things are possible with that believeth. Well, Jesus, help me to be a stronger believer. As I'm showing you things from the Bible to help you be a stronger believer, how to grow in faith. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. He said, I will give you pastors. Well, that's what Jesus said. These people were wary because they didn't have pastors. I will give you pastors according to mine heart. In other words, God said, I'm going to put my heart of love and compassion in men and women. It's going to help you. It says, and what will these pastors do? They will feed you with knowledge. He didn't stop there. And understanding. Feed you with knowledge and understanding. I want to tell you something. You can read the Bible at home all you want to, and you better be reading it at home. But you're never really going to understand what God has for you to do it God's way. God said, I'll give you pastors with my heart that'll help you understand what you're reading. Amen. Somebody said, well, I just this, I just that. Well, okay, then you just call Jesus a liar then. Jesus said, you're weak and you're weary because you don't have a pastor. God said to Jeremiah the prophet, said, I'll give you pastors. Says they'll feed you, not only with knowledge, but help you understand it. Let me just ask a question, take a little mini poll. If you went to this church very long, how many here understand the Bible better now than what you used to? Amen. You know why that is? And, you know, it's not because of me, the guy that lives in this earth, it's because of the Jesus in me gave me a gift. And that gift is the feed you of knowledge and understanding. And so when you sit under here consistently, now I'm not talking about, you know, every two or three months when crisis comes, oh, i got to go back and get another shot. <laughs> I talk about consistently, week in, week out, Wednesday night, Sunday night, consistently come and sit under the Word of God. Then what are you doing? You're obeying the Bible. Jesus said, you're weak. You're scattered. You're hurting. You're confused. You don't have answers. And then Jesus said, I have compassion on you because you don't have a pastor. Amen. I want to say it again. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. You know, if you're that Christian that cried out to Jesus and said, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief, then I'm reading you the Bible. Jesus said, I'll help your unbelief. You're going to become stronger if you get connected with your pastor and your church. And God said, God said, I don't want you to be confused about the Bible. I want you to understand it. And so I'm going to give a gift and anointing to a man or a woman of God, and you find out who your man or woman of God is, get connected with them, then you're going to start understanding things. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, for your, for your fill in the blank, you must get settled in a church family and submit to the pastor that Jesus has for you. Amen. Submit to the pastor Jesus has for you. And, you know, in life... There's a phrase the Lord gave me years ago. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. And let me just say this. You know, I'm a pastor. Ephesians chapter 4 says pastors are supposed to speak the truth in love. 
Okay? Proverbs tells us that pride comes before a fall. That says that God can't work with a haughty spirit. That means the person says, oh, I know it all, I know it all, I know it all. Okay? As I'm reading you the Bible about being hooked up with the church that God has for you, I'm not saying this church. If it is this church, that's great. But if it's not this church, it's none of my business. But believers, to get strong, have got to pray and look to Jesus and say, Jesus, where's my church family? Jesus, who's my pastor that'll love me and that'll feed me and that'll help me? That's what you've got to pray. And so here's what I'm getting to about this, about the pride. If you're a person that's loosely hooked up to a church, never really has committed, never really has submitted, you're in and out, in and out, and you're thinking, huh, I like this this morning, but I don't just go along with that stuff. Well, I'll tell you what, tonight when you go to bed with the devil again, he gives you nightmares. He gives you so much fear, so much worries. You toss and turn all night long, and you say, oh, I wish it was morning. Then the morning times, and you get up, and he follows you to work. They torment you all day long and say, oh, I wish it was nighttime. And then nighttime comes and say, oh, I wish it was daytime. Then you're going to hear the words of this pastor talking by the Spirit of God. And you're going to hear this in your heart. I need to find my church home. I need to find my pastor. I need to find my church family because Jesus said that I'm weak and I'm weary and I'm scattered because I don't have a pastor. That's good preaching, Pastor. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I don't have pride in me. I praise God for the gift in me to help people. Because I know that if Jesus said that when sheep get a pastor from God, that they're not scattered, that makes me feel really good. That God would trust me to be a pastor with his gift to help people not be scattered. That's what I want to do. I just want him to get it. So anyway, how to grow in faith. Number one. How to grow in faith? Find your church family. You know, pray. Seek God. Visit a church. And then if you find a church you think you like, instead of keep on looking, come to it at least at least a month or two. Find out if you really do like it. Amen. You know, you don't have to get married and put a wedding ring on. First day you meet them, man, go with them for a while. Don't live with them, but go with them. <laughs> But a church is the same way. It's a covenant from God. You know, when God has people joined together in faith in the name of Jesus, like a, like a marriage, that's what a pastor and a congregation relationship is. It's like a covenant. And so when you meet somebody like a pastor or a church like that, check it out for a while. If you find out this really isn't what I wanted, but it felt good. It wasn't what I wanted. Then just go checking. But man, don't check for 50 years. I mean, you know. <laughs> Find out where it is God has it, but sometimes you might have to check two or three or four churches up until you find it. But when you find it in your heart, you're going to know that you know that you know that you know where your church is. Mrs. Pastor reminded me of something, hey man, the other day that I forgot about. I know back, back when I was a baby Christian, I started off at one type of church, and then God wanted me to find a church, a Word of Faith church. After I got born, we were a Word of Faith church. And so I started listening to Kenneth Hagin on the radio and found out about Word of Faith people. I started praying. I lived in Indianapolis, a big city. I said, Lord, is there a pastor that teaches like Brother Hagin? And so I started praying for that. And so when I left the church I was at, checking around, finding out, I was a tithe, as a baby Christian, I learned about tithing. I knew tithing was real. So what did I do? Every week when I got paid my paycheck, I kept my tithe in the bank and my checking account. 
And the churches that I visited, I put offerings in, but I saved my tithe. Because then my tithe went to my church. I hadn't found my church yet. So by the time I found my church, the first Sunday I was in that church, I was in that church till I was a pastor, stayed there for years. When I was in that church, my first Sunday in there, I walked in, and when I sat down, there was a connection. That pastor spoke to my heart. Matter of fact, I was talking to his son this week. My pastor's been in heaven for years now. Talked to his son this week about California, what God's doing out here. I said, yeah, your dad's living on through me. I said, what he taught me, I'm still passing on. I said, praise God for your dad, what he did. But anyway, I sat in that church, and this is back in 1980. I had several hundred dollars saved up. I think about $1,000 from a few weeks looking for a church. I sat there. And I couldn't wait till the offering because I had my checkbook pocket. Thought, that's my pastor. I wrote out that check as quick as I could. So that's my pastor. This is my church. I gave offerings to the places I visited. But I knew my pastor, my pastor of my church was going to get my tithe. And so with that offer, she reminded me. I forgot all about it. And so I knew immediately. I connected with my pastor. That's from God because I prayed. And so I wasn't surprised when I got my answer. And I knew that's the one. He's mine. It's my pastor for years and years and years and years. So I'm telling you, when you know... When you find the church that God has for you, don't be confused. You're going to know this is my church. Amen. So they're going to hook up with all you got. And so point number two then, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, talk about how to grow your faith. Romans 12, verse 3. And, you know, I want to say it again about ditches and things like that. The Bible is the middle of the road. The Bible gives you balance. The Bible shows you what's right. The Bible will knock religious confusion off your head and cause you to think right. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Paul said, I say through the grace given unto me to every man or every person that is among you. So he's talking to the congregation. Every person is among you not to think of himself or herself more highly than they ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man, to every person, the measure of faith. It says that God has given everyone the measure of faith. And I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, keeping that thought in mind, that God gives you the measure of faith. Ephesians 2, verse 8, says, for by grace are you saved through faith. How many believe you got saved through faith? And it says, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's the gift of God. And so you put that together, Romans 12, 3, he gives you every person the measure of faith. That says this, every born-again Christian gets the same measure of faith as a gift from God to get them started. Everybody gets the same measure of faith to get started. You know? I think about, uh, well, just a stupid example I was thinking of. I was going to say something else, but how many have ever known somebody gets out of prison? How many know before you're born again you were a prisoner of Satan and sin? When somebody gets out of prison, they give them a little bit of money, clothes on their back, and something to get started. They all get the same thing. They get out, they get a little bit of cash, a little bit of stuff to get started. And some people that get set free from prison, they go on to succeed in life. Some of them go out and do wrong again and right back up where they were or worse. Christians, the Bible says, every Christian, if your name is Joyce Myers or if your name is Susan Valdez, they started off with the same faith. God said, I give you not. He didn't say a measure. 
He said, a measure, that means he might give Anthony more than me. Well, that's not fair. How come Anthony got more faith to start and I just got this much? He said, the measure. God said, I give everybody the measure. If your name's Kenneth Copeland, he got no more than Bernie Samples did. It says, because that first, that first thing you got started with was a gift. It was a gift from God. God said, Rule, I'm going to give you this much, man. I'm giving you this. I'm putting it right here in your heart. You got enough to get started. Now, what are you going to do with it? Amen. Amen. Robin, you got the same thing I did. We all got, we all got Mike Jackson. I know Michael Jackson, by the way. Did you know that? <laughs> he lives right here. <laughs> Amen. But it says that God gives you the gift of faith, and nobody gets a larger amount. We get what is it's called saving faith. Faith to be saved. God, when you hear the gospel, God gives you the faith to respond to the gospel. Amen. But he doesn't just say you're on your own now. He shows you how to increase that faith, how to grow in faith. And so every born-again Christian gets the same measure of faith as a gift from God to get them started. And I was thinking this morning, yesterday I was over to Pastor Dave's house, and my little grandson Joel has a bicycle. He said, Grandpa, I want to see you ride a bike. I haven't been over there for a while. He said, no training wheels, Grandpa. And he took off riding, man. He didn't wobble or anything. He was riding around the yard doing really good. I was thinking, man, oh man, I'm proud of him. But then this morning when I was looking at my notes, I was thinking about this in our Christian life. I remember when I was a kid, uh, my dad and mom, uh, I, I guess, spent too much money on booze. They got stable to heaven now, so they're not on booze now. But anyway, uh, my cousins, their dad got them a bike. Visiting my cousins, I remember they had a little bike and put me on it, man. First time they put me on that bike, my little, my little, my little girl cousin about my age held me up and pushed me. So she let loose, I woo woo. <laughs> bad thing about it, they had a cement sidewalk to us in Indianapolis. They didn't have desert dirt. <laughs> I remember I hit that cement sidewalk. Man, I scratched up my nose. I scratched up my knee. And I got braved up. That girl got me on that bike again. She shoved me around, and I wobbled, and I fell again. And anyway, did that a few times. And then by the time, over the course of time, by the time I got to board work on the bike stick, I got to where somebody held me up to get me started and let loose that I could go on my own. But what I found out, what I found out, if I didn't start pedaling, I still fell. I had to pedal and balance. And so Christians, when you got saved, Jesus gave you the faith that he held you up and got you going, but when he takes his hand off, if you're not pedaling, you're going to fall. You're going to lose your balance and you're going to fall. And that's like faith is. God will hold you up to get you started, but then he'll give you some tries. Let loose. And if you're not pedaling very good and you fall, he's right there to catch you and pick you back up and get you going again. comes a point in time that a bike sitter is going to get one of those dub moments. Duh. I pedal, I go, I stop, I fall. There ought to be a dub moment in Christians' lives. I go to church and I read my Bible and I win. I quit church, laid out my Bible, and I fall. Man, be as smart as a five-year-old. <laughs> Is that good preaching or what? Make the Lord a hand. I thought that was a really good example. Amen. And so he gives you what it takes to get you started. The measure of faith. Now look at Romans ten seventeen. 
If you've been around here very long, you can probably quote this verse forwards and backwards. It's one of my favorite verses because this is how Christians win in life. Romans 10, 17 says, So that faith cometh by crying. So that faith cometh by tithing. So that, so that faith cometh by praying. Faith cometh by worshiping. Faith cometh by trial. No. No. There's, it's right to pray. It's right to worship. It's right to tithe. It's right to testify. All the things the Bible says do is right. You know, nobody wants trials. But it says faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by what? Word of God. I'm here today to help Christians. You can cry all you want to. It's not going to increase your faith. You can worship God, and that brings him on the scene. His spirit's there, but he's got something to work with. You can testify. Revelation 12, 11 says we overcome by, by the word of God, the word of our testimony. And so testified is right. Testified helps encourage people around you. Testified blesses God because he wants to hear us talk about him. Testified makes you feel good because you tell what God did for you. But testified doesn't bring faith. It says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. As you read the context of this passage, this passage right here, you're going to see he's talking about preachers preaching you hear the word of God. We want to hear the word of God at home. We want to hear the word of God we can. But he's talking about when you get in that corporate setting where there's a preacher with an order of God on him, you have to understand that when people are in a service, God will draw that preacher, that preacher different directions while he's preaching even. Because people out there, you know, their hearts are crying out to God wanting answers. And when the preacher's preaching, all of a sudden the Spirit of God also preaches, you know what, I don't know why I'm saying this, but boy, here's what happened to me one time. Here's what God did get me out of it. And you know what, I don't know why I keep going this way. I keep talking about this, keep talking about this. Well, I know why I'm going this way, because somebody sitting out here is crying out right now that really need help. And so that God will have me go to passages in the Bible, and faith cometh by what? Hear the Word of God. As you're sitting in a church that teaches the Word of God, all of a sudden, you're hearing the Word of God. And according to the Bible, what happens? Faith got in your heart. Guess what that means? Your faith just grew. Lord, help thou my unbelief. Well, I'll help your unbelief. Get a pastor, get to church, he'll preach, you'll get it. Amen. Anybody get anything out of this? And so I want to say this. Faith cometh by hearing, hear by the Word of God. Everyone of us that have grown in faith has taken the time and disciplined ourselves to come to church multiple times per week. We've paid a price to get what we've got. You know, we have a lot of very, 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 I would call faith giants in this church. But they're not the ones that come once every two months. They're not the ones that come once every couple weeks. They're not the ones that come once an Easter Bunny or a Santa Claus. Or come because uh, they said, Mom, what can I get you for Mother's Day? Come to church. And then we don't see you until next year. Mom, what can I get you for Mother's Day? Come to church. You're not going to be a faith giant if you just come for special occasions. And so come to church multiple times a week. We paid a price to grow in faith. Buy a Bible and a notebook and study books and search out things for yourself. Every one of us that have grown in faith beyond that stage of having saving faith, we've done this. We've bought a Bible. 
We've bought multiple translations of the Bible. We've bought notebooks. We've sat down. We've studied. We've prayed. We've taken notes of the sermons we hear. We go home. We look up those verses like, wow, that verse answered my question. Man, I didn't know that was in the Bible. And then go home and then say, God, I prayed that verse the pastor talked about, whatever it was, I know it sounded good. Write them down. Go home. Open your Bible. Get them off the pages. Pray them out. Talk them out. And they'll begin to work in your lives. And so faith cometh by hearing him by the word of God. We've grabbed those things we've heard. We studied them for ourselves. And like riding a bike, we started pedaling. Well, what do you mean you started pedaling? Well, when facing challenges in life, we simply did what the Bible said to do. You know, my cousin's name, believe it or not, from Indianapolis, her name was, was Yvonne. <laughs> you know, I, I, that, that was like a Louisiana name or something, a Cajun girl, but she's just a little samples girl back in Indiana. Yvonne told me what to do. She said, pedal when I let loose. I didn't do it at first. My legs didn't know how to react to that. And so finally, after I got tired of getting bruised up, I started pedaling like Yvonne said. Yvonne said, pedal, so I pedal. And so, pastor said, when you get the word off those pages, start pedaling. What do you mean start pedaling? Well, James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So the next time that those thoughts come to you about doing something you know you shouldn't do, maybe smoking something you shouldn't smoke, you shouldn't smoke anything, but maybe smoking something you shouldn't smoke, even if California says you can smoke it, well... I won't stop. Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. Even if California says you can do this or do that, do this, do that, what does God say in the Bible? So the next time you're faced with those thoughts, just sit up your mouth and say, Satan, I resist you in Jesus' name. You know what you're doing then? You're peddling. Because when somebody says, hey, man, you want to come and hang out with us? You stop and think, wait a minute. You're the guys I used to hang out with. You're the girls I used to hang out with. And every time I did, I got in trouble. You know what that means? You fell off your bike. And so every time I go to church, hang around those church people, I get blessed. I get free. Things are better. And so, uh, sorry, former friend. I don't want to fall off my bike anymore. And then... Under your breath, you don't want to rebuke your friends. But you say, Satan, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I'm not going back there anymore. I don't live there anymore. I went there before. Every time I went there, I got hurt. I got in trouble. And so I've said, no, in the name of Jesus. And then just say something simple like, Father, I submit to you. Give me the strength to say no. Give me the strength, Jesus, to get to bed early on Saturday. So I can go on Sunday. Lord, I thank you for giving me the strength. And what are you doing? You're peddling. Man, you're peddling. You're out there doing something. You're using your faith to get the job done. Amen. Amen. Anybody going to shout? <laughs> and so facing challenges like simply do what the Bible says to do. And you know the old saying, if you want something different, do something different. If you want the same, keep doing the same. But if you want something different, break out of the mode and do something different. Okay. Point number four, Hebrews 12. Verse 1, uh, you know, I, I suggest if you still like the old life, put your toes into your seats right now. You're about to get your feet stepped on. 
Amen. Put your toes under the seat. But if you want change, if you want change, keep your feet out, keep your heart open, and say, Jesus, this is just what I needed. Look at your neighbor. Give him a high five. And say, man, it's going to get hot now. One more time. Look at your neighbor. Give him a high five. And say, you need to hear this. <laughs> Romans chapter, or Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Says this. Wherefore, say we also are compassed about and surrounded by with, with so great a cloud of witnesses, this is talking about our loved ones that are in heaven. God lets them look down and see things we're doing for Christ. Amen. They get the cheers on. You know, we have sorrow when loved ones die. The glory to God through the presence of Jesus. They get to look down and cheer us on. They're the witnesses that they're looking down. Let us lay aside. Let us lay aside. Let us lay aside every weight. And us lay aside the sin which does so easily beset us or so easily ensnare us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And so what that says is this. You must choose to walk away from sin and shut off time stealers. And shut off time stealers. If you're born again and sit under the teaching of God's word in anointed Holy Ghost Church, you know what sin is. Man, nobody has to preach it to you. You know what sin is. You know there's things the Bible teaches and I want to say it again. If you're sitting in a Holy Ghost church and you got a pastor that listens to God, I don't have to preach about sin all the time. When I'm teaching the Bible, you're going to see the difference between right and wrong according to God's word. You're going to know. Man, you know, there's so many things that I could say that's obvious sins, but also probably one of the biggest sins that you commit every day is about two inches under your nose called your mouth. Amen. Hey, you know what Jesus you know what Jesus told Saul of Tarsus, don't you? He said, Hey, you did at least these my brethren, you did it to me. I don't want to badmouth Jesus. I don't want to give Jesus a hard time. Amen. You know, I, you know Pastor Dave said something a while ago that was really good. He said that about uh, communion. You know, he's, he's making light of it like I do a lot of things, you know, just to get your attention. It says, Examine yourselves. It's not hard to examine your wife. It's not hard to examine your husband. It's not hard to examine your co-worker. But he also said, judge not that you be not judged. And so you go around all the time. He is out sitting, let him cast the first stone. And say, well, well man, I don't commit adultery. Uh, I don't go around getting drunk every day. I don't go around beating up people. What about your mouth? <laughs> Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 that every idle word comes out of your mouth, he's going to judge you for and so I'm talking about us as Christians. You know, we can talk about all the flesh sins. But what about the mouth? Do you, do you think about that one very often? How about that? Yeah? Well, you know what? I like everything what that pastor said today, but. Well, you know, there's too many Christians go home instead of having roast beef, they have roast pastor. Amen. They want to burn the pastor up. Like, yeah. well, if we're a gift from God, we're teaching the Bible. I'm not talking about getting into flesh things and politics and things that we don't want to touch in the church. There's so many things out there that preachers get into they have no business getting into. You know, 
We've got our own beliefs about a lot of things, but we don't preach politics. We preach Bible. If we're teaching the Bible how to live, teaching the Bible how to pray, teaching the Bible how to love other people, etc., etc., and that offends you, then guess what? You don't have a problem with me. You've got a problem with God because it's His Word. And so your mouth, your mouth, we're talking about sins, said lay aside the sins, but then he said, and the weights too. And the weights too. Weights are time stealers. You know, there's a lot of things that there's nothing wrong with them, but if they take the place due to God in your heart and in your life, there's going to come a point in time they're going to pull you away from God. I know that uh, what, you know, I never was into sports, so that's not a problem with me, but I know some people, sports is good. I like ball games. I like to see ball games, but they don't have a hole in my life. Ball games don't pull me out of church. Ball games don't pull me away from reading my Bible and lots of things I could do. Some people say, well, I never, I never, you know what? I don't have time to read my Bible. How many ball games you watch this week? Well, just, just 82. Oh, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't have five minutes to read your Bible and get closer to God? Et cetera, et cetera. When I first got saved, been saved for actually a few years, somebody in my family, long distance, for Christmas, gave me a Reader's Digest uh, subscription. I didn't read one of them. I wanted to, but I love that stuff, kind of stuff so much. If I got into that, I would have laid my Bible time aside, my study of time aside to read all those little corny little jokes and all the little life-heartening stories and stuff like that. But the Bible never said faith comes by reading corny jokes. The Bible never said faith reading uh, real-life tragedy stories where nobody won and everybody lost. Faith cometh by hearing. And so they renewed that subscription for probably a half a dozen years. And finally one year I said, I didn't tell them I'd never read any of their books, but I said, hey, man, uh, why don't you save the scripture and give it to somebody else? And see, that thing could have been a weight to me, and I knew that. Because I love to read, but if I'm not reading the right stuff, it may not be sinful stuff, but it's time-stealing stuff. Amen. At ball games, at anything else in life that's a time-stealer, nothing wrong with enjoying life, but if it steals your time, it's a weight. And hold you back. And we're talking about how to grow your faith. Your faith's not going to grow if all your time is spent. And so anyway, we've got to make sure we guard our time. At verse 2, I'm going to read out of the Amplified Bible. And this is the last point we're looking at today. Verse 2, Amplified Bible says, Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus. So we get away from the distractions. We're not supposed to, just supposed to get away from them. We're supposed to put our eyes on Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith. Where does faith come from? It comes from Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, here you're right, but, but we look to Jesus. He's the source of our faith. Who gave us that gift of saving faith to get us saved? It came from Jesus. He got us started. As says he's the source of faith, he's given us the first incentive for our belief as also its finisher. He helps us start our faith walk. He's the one's going to help us finish our faith walk. He's the one that's going to welcome us to heaven. And it says, bringing it to maturity and perfection, that means growing your faith. And then, for you serious students of the Word, the ones that are taking notes, I want to give you some verses here to write down as I'm closing. For you serious students of the Word, write down these verses to look up when you get home. Psalms 107, verse 20. Psalms 107, verse 20 says, he sent his word and healed them. Well, we know that Jesus is who he sent to heal us, but he calls him his word. 
says he sent his word to heal them. And John 1, St. John 1, verses 1 through 3 and verse 14, says the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. It says the word became flesh. It says Jesus was always with God, and he was the word. He became flesh and walked among us. At Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, write this down. You need to see this. Revelation 19, 13 says this. His name is called the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. And so, not only must you say no to sin, time stones, distractions, but you must keep your eyes on Jesus. Now listen to this. Listen to this statement. Because it's the only way you keep your eyes on Jesus. To keep your eyes on Jesus is to keep your eyes on the Word. When you keep your eyes on the Word, you're keeping your eyes on Jesus. And so if you're going through a crisis, like this man was, son that was uh, epileptic, couldn't talk because the demon had a hold of him, Jesus said, I'm going to help you increase your faith, and I've showed you how to increase your faith. And when you've walked away from those time stillers, you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. That means you've got to keep your eyes on Bible verses. And so find creative ways to memorize and meditate on scriptures that speak to your heart. Before smartphones, I wrote verses on three by five cards, and I still carry this. Little old notebooks in my pocket to write verses on. I write verses on this even today, and I pull them out and I read them, I learn them. Why is that? I need to keep my eyes on Jesus. Why do I keep my eyes on Jesus today? Number one, he's a cancer killer. Amen. I don't need faith for water baptism today. I've been baptized. What I need faith for? To watch cancer totally flee away from me. And so I keep my eyes on Jesus. I keep my eyes on scriptures to tell about who he is. And so be creative. Get three by five cards, some kind of internet way you can do it to carry something on your smartphone. Do that. But then start learning these verses that minister to you, chapter and verse. You find out whatever works for you because if you keep your eyes on the Word, you keep your eyes on Jesus. And when you keep your eyes on Jesus, you keep your eyes on His Word. And so remember, Jesus gives us the measure of faith as a gift to get started, but we must choose to grow in faith by getting serious about our Bibles. Amen, amen, amen. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I preached me happy. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, you know, as, as we worship the Lord, I want to say this. God has so many different ways to bless you, to get you healed, to get you delivered. And one of the ways that he does that is through men and women of faith that pray for you, lay hands on you, etc. Et it's not the only way, but it's one way. And so, if you need a point of contact for your faith, and what do I mean by that? You know, for faith to be present tense, that I call it done, you need to have a point of contact where you know you touch God. And so if you are facing a crisis today, if you need healing, if you need deliverance, if you need prayer for a child situation or a teenager situation or a family member, as a point of contact, Matthew eighteen nineteen, Jesus said, if any two shall agree, as touch anything on earth that they'll ask, it'll be done by my Father in heaven. But if you need a point of contact today, come up here.
we'll join hands with you, we'll pray with you, and then when we get finished, we'll say, Amen, it's done. And then when we say that, during the course of the next few days, next few weeks, whatever you think about that thing we prayed about, instead of praying about it again and crying out, just say, Lord, I want to thank you as the done that day at the altar. I was there at the altar. My pastor prayed with me or one of these other people prayed and said, Lord, I want to thank you that day when Mike Jackson held my hands and he took authority over that thing you've done that day. And the devil throws those thoughts in your mind again. Are you getting a bad report? Are you getting a bad medical report? A bad kid report? bad financial report, whatever it is, as soon as that happens, say, no, 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 no. I'm peddling on my own. I'm peddling. I'm not falling down. I'm peddling. I'm not falling down. Oh, no, 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 devil. You're not going to get me again. That day when I prayed, they agreed, and I got my answer. Amen. Amen. So whatever you need, whatever you need, when we pray with you, when we say amen, they say, that's it. I got it then. Amen. 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 Let's worship God. Come up if you need prayer. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.